Greetings, this is Jeff Riddle. I'm the pastor of Christ Reformed Baptist Church in Louisa, Virginia. And this is another in this series of readings from the preface to the King James Version of 1611. That preface is known as the Translators to the Reader. I'm reading from my personal Bible, which is a KJV Turquoise Reference Edition published by Cambridge University Press. And the preface, the Translators to the Reader, is found there on pages Roman numeral 5 through 18. I'm going to be reading section 12, which has as its heading an answer to the imputations of our adversaries. And this is one of the longest, if not the longest, uh, of the 15 sections into which uh, this preface has been divided. So here now is, again, the reading of this section 12, an answer to the imputations of our adversaries. Now to the latter we answer that we do not deny, nay, we affirm and avow that the very meanest translation of the Bible in English set forth by men of our profession, for we have seen none of theirs of the whole Bible as yet, containeth the word of God, nay, is the word of God, as the king's speech, which he uttered in Parliament, being translated into French, Dutch, Italian, and Latin, is still the king's speech, though it be not interpreted by every translator with the like grace, nor peradventure so fitly for phrase, nor so expressly for sense, everywhere. For it is confessed that things are to take their denomination of the greater part, and a natural man could say, Verum ubi multa netent in carmine, non ego paucis offendar, maculus, etc. A man may be counted as a virtuous man, though he may have many slips in his life. Else there were none virtuous, for in many things we offend all. Also a comely man and lovely, though... He have some warts upon his hand, yea, not only freckles upon his face, but also scars. No cause, therefore, why the word translated should be denied to be the word, or forbidden to be current, notwithstanding that some imperfections and blemishes may be noted in the setting forth of it. For whatever was perfect under the sun, where apostles or apostolic men, that is, men endued with an extraordinary measure of God's Spirit, and privileged with the privilege of infallibility, had not their hand. The Romanists, therefore, in refusing to hear and daring to burn the word translated, did no less than despise, than despite, the spirit of grace, from whom originally it proceeded, and whose sense and meaning, as well as man's weakness, would enable it did express. Judge by an example or two. Plutarch writeth, that after that Rome had been burnt by the Gauls, they fell soon to build it again. But doing it in haste, they did not cast the streets, nor proportion the houses in such comely fashion as had been most, as had been most slightly inconvenient. Was Catalan, therefore, an honest man or a good patriot, patriot that sought to bring it to combustion, or Nero, a good prince that did indeed set it on fire? So by the story of Ezra and the prophecy of Haggai, it may be gathered that the temple built by Zerubbabel after the return from Babylon was by no means to be compared to the former built by Solomon. For they remembered the former that they, re 
they that remembered the former wept when they considered the latter. Notwithstanding, might this latter either have been abhorred and forsaken by the Jews or profaned by the Greeks. The like we are to think of translations. The translation of the 70 dissenteth from the original in many, many places. Neither doth it come near it for perspicuity, gravity, majesty. Yet which of the apostles did condemn it? Condemn it? Nay, they used it, as it is apparent, and as St. Jerome and most learned men do confess, which they would not have done, nor by their example of using it, so grace and commend it to the church, if it had been unworthy of the appellation and name of the word of God. And whereas they urge for their second defense of their vilifying and abusing of the English Bibles, or some pieces thereof, which they meet with, for that heretics, forsooth, were the authors of the translation. Heretics they call us by the same right that they call themselves Catholics, both being wrong. We marvel that divinity taught them so. We are sure Tertullian was of another mind. Ex personas probamus fidem, on ex fide personas. Do we try men's faith by their persons? We should try their persons by their faith. Also, St. Augustine was of another mind. For he, uh, lighting upon certain rules made by Taconius, a Donatus, for the better understanding of the word, was not ashamed to make use of them, yea, to insert them into his own book, with giving commendation to them so far forth as they were worthy to be commended, as is to be seen in St. Augustine's third book, De Doctrina Christiana. To be short, Origen and the whole Church of God for a certain hundred years were of another mind, for they were so far from treading underfoot, much more than burning the translation of Aquila, a proselyte, that is, one that had, been, that had turned Jew of Symmachus and Theodotian, both Ebionites, that is, most vile heretics, that they joined them together with the Hebrew original and the translation of the Seventy, as hath been before signified out of Epiphanius, and set them forth openly to be considered of and perused by all. But we weary the unlearned, who need not know so much, and trouble the learned, who know it already. Yet before we end, we must answer a third cavil, an objection of theirs against us, for altering and amending our translation so oft, wherein truly they deal hardly and strangely with us. For to whomever was it imputed for a fault, by such as were wise, to go over that which he had done, and to amend it where he saw cause. St. Augustine was not afraid to exhort St. Jerome to a palinodia, or recantation. The same St. Augustine was not ashamed to retractate, we might say, revoke many things that had passed him, and doth even glory that he seeth his infirmities. If we will be sons of the truth, we must consider what it speaketh, and trample upon our own credit, yea, and upon other men's too, if either be any way in hindrance to it. This, this to the cause. Then to the persons we say, that of all men they ought to be most silent in this case. For what varieties have they, and what alterations have they made, not only of their service books, portices, and breviaries, but also of their Latin translations? 
The service book, supposed to be made by St. Ambrose, Officium Ambrosianum, was a great while in special use and request, but Pope Adrian, calling a council with the aid of Charles the Emperor, abolished it, yea, burnt it, and commanded the service book of St. Gregory universally to be used. Well, Officium Gregorianum gets by this means to be in credit. But doth it continue without change or altering? No, the very Roman service was of two fashions, the new fashion and the old, the one used in one church and the other in another. As is to be seen in Parmelius, a Romanist, his preface before Micrologus. The same Parmelius, reported out of, out of uh, Radulfus de Rivo, that about the year of our Lord 1277, Pope Nicholas III removed out of the churches of Rome the more ancient books of service and brought into use the missals of the friars' minorities, minorites, and commanded them to be observed there, insomuch that about an hundred years later, when the above name Radulfus happened to be at Rome, he found all the books to be new, of the new stamp. Neither was this chopping and changing in the more ancient times only, but also of late. Pius Quintus himself confesseth that every bishopric almost had a peculiar kind of service, most unlike to that which others had, which moved him to abolish all other breviaries, though never so ancient and privileged and published by bishops in their dioceses, and to establish and ratify that only which was of his own setting forth in the year 1568. Now when the fathers of their church, who gladly would heal the sore of the daughter of his people softly and slightly, and make the best of it, findest so great fault with them for their odd for their odds and jarring. We hope the children have no great cause to vaunt of their uniformity. But the difference that appeareth between our translations and our often correcting of them is the thing that we're specially charged with. Let us see, therefore, whether they themselves be without fault this way, if it be to be counted a fault to correct, and whether they be fit men to throw stones at us. O tandem maior parcus insane minori. They are less sound themselves. They that are less sound themselves ought not to object infirmities to others. If we should tell them that Vala, Stapulensis, Erasmus, and Vives found fault with their vulgar translation and consequently wished the same to be mended, or a new one to be made, they would answer peradventure that we produce their enemies for witnesses against them, albeit they were in no other sort enemies. Then, as St. Paul was to the Galatians, for telling them the truth, and if it were to be wished that they had dared to tell it them plain, uh, plainlier and oftener, but what will they say to this, that Pope Leo X allowed Erasmus's translation of the New Testament so much different from the vulgar, by his apostolic letter and bull, that the same Leo exhorted Pagmine to translate the whole Bible and bear whatsoever charges were necessary for the work. Surely, as the apostle reasoneth to the Hebrews, that if the former law and testament had been sufficient, there had been no need of the latter. So we may say that if the old vulgar had been at all points allowable to small purpose had labor, and charges been undergone about framing of a new, if they say it was one pope's private opinion, and that he consulted only himself, then we are able to go further with them and to aver that more of their chief men of all sorts, even their own Trent champions, 
Paiva and Vega, and their own inquisitor, Jerome Ab Alistreo, and their own bishop, Isidorus Clarius, and their own cardinal, Thomas Avio Cajetan, do either make new translations themselves or follow new ones of other men's making, or note the vulgar interpreter for halting. None of them fear to dissent from him, nor yet to accept him. And call they this an uniform tenor of text and judgment about the text? So many of their worthies disclaiming the now-received conceit? Nay, we will, we will yet come nearer the quick. Doth not their Paris edition differ from their Levain, and Hentius his from them both? And yet all of them allowed by authority? Nay, doth not Sixtus Quintus confess that certain Catholics, he meaneth certain of their own side, were in such an humor of translating the scriptures into Latin that Satan, taking occasion by them, though they thought no such matter, did strive what he could out of so uncertain and manifold a variety of translations so to mingle all things that nothing might seem to be left certain and firm in them, etc. Nay, further, did not the same Sixtus, ordained by an inviolable decree, and that, with the counsel and consent of his cardinals, that the Latin edition of the Old and New Testament, which the Council of Trent would have to be authentic, is the same without controversy, which he then set forth, being diligently corrected and printing, printed in the printing house of Vatican. Thus Sixtus, in his preface before his Bible, and yet Clement VIII, his immediate successor, published another edition of, of 1592, the Bible, containing in it infinite differences from that of Sixtus, and many of them weighty and material, and yet this must be authentic by all means. What is to ha what is to have the faith of our glorious Lord Jesus Christ with yea and nay, if this be not? Again, what is sweet harmony and consent, if this be? Therefore, as De Demaratus of Corinth advised the great king, before he talked of dissensions among the Grecians, to compose his domestic broils, for at that time his queen and his son and heir were at deadly feud with him. So all the while that our adversaries do make so many and so various additions themselves, and do jar so much about the worth and authority of them, they can, with no show of equity, challenge us for changing and correcting. Here ends this section 12 of the preface, the translators to the reader.